0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. You know, it always be your own family.
1: free money is out there
0: just go get it by starting your podcast
1: today our players this week are brianna hunter lorraine's daughter shanice hunter lorraine's niece albert thomas lorraine's husband and lorraine hunter our murderess
0: lorraine hunter was born in hollandale mississippi and most people described her as quiet reserved. Despite all of the quiet reservedness, she did have an eye for men. Now, growing up in Mississippi and getting into her 20s, she was one of those girls that was a serial monogamous. Have you ever heard of a serial monogamous? Yeah. Stay in a relationship. You know, they're just like, yeah, in a relationship. And then once that relationship fizzles out, maybe they're in a relationship for a year, year and a half, maybe two. Mm -hmm. It fizzles out and they Before the, the fizzle's one. already gone, they already in love in again sound like somebody I know. <laughs> She was a person that also loved love. Like, she wanted to find her Mr. Right. And while she was on that journey of finding her Mr. Right, she had a couple sons. I'm not sure. I could never find—this is kind of how almost everything words this. And I could never figure out if the sons are by the same man or by a different man, but it really ain't our business. I just want to—I just feel like y'all would want to know, and I'm just telling you, we don't have the answer. Her two sons' names are Raydale and Tremaine, which are some nice names.
1: You said these are some nice names?
0: They are some nice names. <laughs> Tremaine. Sound like you could. She
1: called me Trey. Sometimes she said Tremaine.
0: By the time she was 31, she met a man named Alan Brown. Now, Alan was a truck driver. And you know, truck drivers, they do a pretty good job of bringing home some money. I think truck drivers make a pretty decent amount. I don't know. I don't I don't know how much they make, but the girls that drive the truck seem to be making a lot of money. So however, According to the people that knew Alan, Alan was a very cool, calm, collected. He was a laid-back dude. And him and Lorraine had started to go together, and they were together for about 10 years. And throughout that course of their 10-year relationship, Alan was making a lot of money. that he wasn't making as much money. that he wasn't making as much money. And Lorraine, she was getting mad, you know. No romance without finance. No romance without finance If y'all don't know that song, that's on y'all They started struggling financially He's his The checks weren't coming in Lorraine wasn't liking that shit And on one of those cold, broke, lonely nights Lorraine sneaky linked her way into baby number three A baby named Brianna Yep, that's right, a break baby Despite all the fussing, cussing, and fighting that followed their announcement Lorraine and Alan made their way right on back to each other The new baby, not worry them one bit. They still loved each other. And Alan was like, I'm going to raise her like she's my own. Now it's her kids, all three of her kids, her man, who is not the father of any of those kids, living in this house with his chicks. All was fine and dandy with their little family. And so Brianna was about three years old. And all of a sudden, one night, and this was in 1993, Alan was shot and killed. Now, the police came out, they looked at the scene and they were like, OK, this really looks like a carjacking going wrong. There's not really any DNA. Um, there's no leads. It went dry. No one was really held accountable for poor Alan's death. Now, at the time, Lorraine was like, oh, my gosh, like Alan had just left from going to visit like one of his nieces or whatever. And he said that like there was clicking underneath the hood and all of a sudden he was going to get checked the oil and then he gets out of the car and then somebody decided he wanted to carjack him. Boom. He was shot. Like this is crazy. When police come and they check the scene and they ask her what happened, Lorraine is like, Alan and I were going to visit our niece and we were driving and there was clicking in the car, and Alan was just like, oh, I'm going to just get out and check the car. And I was like, no, baby, let's just go. And he was like, no, I'm going to get out and check the car. So he got out to check the car. And when he got out to check the car, he opened the hood. I hear gunshots. I run out. There's nobody there. And my husband is dead. And the police are just like, oh, my goodness. They look for any type of evidence. There's no evidence. There's nothing. They don't know what to do, and the case goes cold. Now, because she was his wife, she did get a life insurance policy, but she did the whole waiting and all of the normal things. There was no red flags, no red flags. And time went on. Her sons got older, and they were out of the house. They were starting to do their own thing. And Lorraine was like, oh, goodness, it's me. And Brianna, my daughter, and I'm a single mom, and I don't have a job, and I don't want a job. You know how they say, like, it takes a village to raise a child? Well, Lorraine would ask anybody, without any hesitation, if anybody was one of her friends or anything, that she needed something. She needed help paying a bill, or she needed somebody to watch Brianna, or just anything. And people were like, you know, you're getting really behind. Do you need any help? And one of Lorraine's good friends was like, listen, her first name was Natisha. And Natisha was like, girl, my parents said that they love you. They think that you're great. They like the way that you cook. Why don't you, you don't have a place to stay. You don't have no money. Why don't you live with my parents, even though I live somewhere else. And Just help them out. They're getting older, help them out around the house and in exchange for like room and board. I was just like, okay, perfect. I don't have any plans on punching a clock. So I will just go and stay at your parents' house. And it it worked out for a little while. She was helping to care for the older parents. She didn't have to pay any bills and her and Brianna had a place to stay. She would cook, she would bake because I guess the girl's dad really liked her, her baking so she was doing all the things. And she's there for three years. She has no intention of going anywhere. And so things seemed like they weren't moving for Miss Lorraine. However, Natisha and Lorraine decided that they wanted to take a trip back home. Now, at this time, she wasn't actually living in Mississippi, but her and Natisha knew each other from Mississippi. And they were both like, let's go take a trip back to Mississippi. And when she did, Lorraine
1: ran into an old friend. His name was Albert Thomas. Albert Thomas was born September 20th, 1953 in Hollandale, Mississippi. When people would talk about Albert's personality, like between his friends and his coworkers, they said he was very nice, got along with everybody. He's just an all-around good guy, right? He always smiled. He was dependable. And that's key. Because I can't stand nobody who's not dependable. And, you know, he's just not somebody you have to worry about. Got a good work ethic, being a breadwinner. He did all of that well. And, you know, people spoke well of them, you know. Like, that's a good guy to have in your circle, right? So, when he was in high school, he fell in love, and I mean deep in love, with Helen Thomas. Shortly after, she got pregnant. (laughs) And they had their daughter, Tina Thomas. Once the two of them finished school, they decided that they were going to get married. Our family's right here waiting on us. We just got to take this last step. Albert, he jumps into that role of family man immediately. And he supported his new family with a job that he had at the factory. And after working there for a few years, he decides, like, listen, it's backbreaking labor. I don't want to do this no more. Gets a job driving trucks. This was his career for the rest of his life. Like, he he held that job down and continued to drive trucks. And, you know, people like them a good truck driver, especially somebody who don't need, like, too too much attention. And it's like, you go, I miss you, you come back, you leave. <laughs> the money was good, the family was good, everybody's living well at the time. After being on the road for so many years, it started to take a toll on Albert and Helen's marriage. And after 20 years and two kids, Helen was like, this just isn't the life that she envisioned for herself. And a high school sweetheart's divorce.
0: That's sad. That's a long time of being with somebody.
1: I know, right? To put 20 years in and just, but well, I mean, people really do grow apart. Sometimes sh- sometimes people really just grow apart. Hmm. Albert's grieving his divorce. I mean, a 20-year marriage, you know? And so he's, he's dealing with this and he ends up running into an old friend, Miss Lorraine Hunter. Now, according to Albert's daughter, Tina, Lorraine wasted no time stepping in and presenting herself as everything that this hard-working man could ever need in his life. Lorraine and Albert, they were childhood friends who lost touch when Lorraine's family moved to the West Coast. Lorraine quickly jogged Albert's memory on the times they used to have. And she kind of filled in that void that he was missing. Like, I almost imagine Albert liking being a man of routine and he has his job, he's the provider, he do this, he know his lane and he stick to that. And I can see, like, after 20 years being like, this is still our life. Like, you do this, you do this. It's Every day is the same. And he just be like... You know, I'm complacent. You know what I mean? But like yeah. it don't feel like settling to him, but for her it's not enough, you know? Right. Because for him, he's he's doing his job. Right. And so I'm sure. He, he's country, happy he to a have country he a country he a country man. Exactly. So I'm sure he's happy to have somebody come and cook and clean and do quote unquote womanly duties around the house, you know? <laughs> and she she knew how to fill them shoes. Mm-hmm. Now remember Lorraine and Nakisha are only out here to visit family. Now, this trip for Lorraine has gotten extended until a few weeks. And after a little good home cooking and a little who knows what else, Albert was packing up his life and moving to California because he had him a fiance. Okay. Yes, he did. I'm going to the big city. I guess he like, what do it matter? I drive trucks. I'm not home anyways. And Albert he was a man that was
0: of his word and so the first thing on his mind was making sure that his money was in order for his new family They had a very quick wedding in Reno Valley and Albert was like all right time to start to, time to start to get to work okay he was a truck driver of course as y'all know and he also worked at the auto parts store. So he was doing that because, of course, he had to provide not only for his own children that he had there were adults, um, but, you know, adult children, they still need things. He was providing now for Lorraine, for Brianna, and Lorraine still had sons that were grown and needed things because they probably never learned how to properly achieve financial freedom on their own. She was making sure that he was sending some money back to her other children as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Lorraine ain't thought about a job and and was not thinking (laughs) about a job. As for Brianna, she was a sweet kid and Albert really loved her. Like he, Albert really loved her. Like she was his daughter and he was totally fine with taking on the responsibility of being her father being there for her, not only as a father figure, but financially to make sure that his now family is afloat. Things have started getting rocky because here goes Lorraine again. She starts talking about how they're not making enough money. She understands that he is working two jobs, but those two jobs are not bringing in enough money. And here we go again. How are you going to secure our financial future? How are you going to make sure that me and your daughter is okay? You love her like a daughter, don't you? Manipulation—we hate to see it. And things had gotten so bad that Albert was ready to go. Albert was ready to leave the relationship. If me working, you know what would make me be secure financially for the future? If all this money I was making was just mine, that'll—that would secure the person who's making the money's financial future, since that's all you care about. And he was pretty vocal about his plans to leave Lorraine. So it was no big secret that he was over her shenanigans.
1: So on the evening of November 3rd, 2009, Albert, Lorraine, and Brianna all decide to go for an evening walk. As they approach the area where Albert usually parks his truck, this is like this old, empty, dusty road, Um, you can kind of see it from his apartment, but it's just kind of parked a little down the road, right? Now, he mentions he wants to stop by his truck and get a sweatshirt that he had bought for Brianna. So, they all three walk to the back of the truck, and Lorraine waits in the driver's seat, while Brianna waits in the passenger seat. Albert goes to the back, bends down, and gets a sweatshirt out of a small cabinet. Lorraine hops out of the driver's seat, stands behind him, and shoots him multiple times. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But we'll come back, there's something else. Something's wrong. Continue. He needs time to adjust.
0: That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him.
1: sometimes dead is better pet cemetery bloodlines rated r streaming only on paramount plus instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour so whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for pinot by the fire season you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Now, November 4th, the next day. This morning, Don Moore, who is Albert's supervisor... Comes into the office, looking over his paperwork, checking things. And he realizes Albert's missed the delivery. And he's got to see what that's about. Because as we said, my man Albert is dependable. So... That's his missing, job. Right. This is his job. So him missing deliveries don't sound too right. So he's like, let me give Albert a little ring ding ding And what's even more suspicious about him missing his delivery is the delivery's right down the street from his house. So... His boss is like, something ain't right. Let me go check on him. So he looks and figure out where the location of Albert's truck is. Albert's truck ain't moved. It's still sitting there where he parks it at night. And 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 Albert's boss can see that the truck has not moved in all this time, right? So Yeah, because with trucking, they can they have your GPS. Right, so Albert has not even attempted to move this truck, right? So, or anybody else for that matter. So now he's kind of like panicking a bit. Something's not right. He goes to his office to make some calls, but when he gets there, the phone is already ringing. He picks up the phone and he's like, hello? And a woman answers back. And it's Lorraine. And she says... Please help me, Don. Please tell me you have some news for me because I have not been able to find Albert. So can you, do you know where he's at? Is there anything that you can tell me? Because I'm really starting to get upset over here. You sneaky girl. Don is like, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Lorraine, but I was just about to call you to ask why he hasn't started work yet. Now, Don is trying to be caring and helpful and he wants to, of course, do anything he can, you know? He's like, don't worry, ma'am. We're going to find him in no time. We got a tracker on this truck. We're going to go to the location of it. I'm going to send one of his co-workers out, and we'll figure out what's going on him real fast, right? So Don recruits Richard Circus to go out and check on Albert's truck. He's like, listen, man, Albert's missing. We don't know where he's at. GPS is saying that his truck is here. Go over here, check on him. Let us know what's going on. So, Richard goes to Albert's truck. And as soon as he approaches the truck, he knows something here is wrong. Why is that? Because the truck door is open. We don't do that. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, immediately upon arrival, it's looking like bad news bears, right? He gets closer and looks behind the driver's seat, and there's Albert on his knees, leaning forward in the back of the truck. Richard is like, I didn't need to investigate anything else any further. I know this man is dead. So immediately, Richard calls 911. The police wasted no time getting
0: there and immediately blocked off the scene. After confirming that Albert was dead, which was pretty apparent. Police notified the coroner and fanned out to search the area. They were looking for any clues. They were trying to figure out who could be responsible for Albert's demise. Now, there were footprints and there were a lot of footprints. I mean, there were footprints all over the place. I mean, they were surrounding the truck and the sheriff's office. They took a lot of pictures of a lot of different shoe prints. And when detectives arrived to inspect the like cab of the rig, the backside of the truck, they realized how much blood was at the scene. And it wasn't like a little bit of blood. I mean, there was like literally blood dripping over the side on the outside of the cab of his truck. And it was weird. Like, it was like, okay, this is like, there's a fuel tank in there that is dripping blood from the inside. Like, it was an alarming amount. And when the coroner arrived, investigators were legally able to enter the truck. They were able to now then touch and move the body and they were able to get a better look at Albert. After finally being able to see that he had multiple bullet wounds in his back, they were like, "Okay, well, clearly he was shot to death." And the detectives and the coroner together, they were able to quickly label This case is a homicide. Once Albert's body was sent to the morgue, the detectives began to study the evidence left behind and noticed that there were um, quite a few things that seemed to be personal that were just thrown all over the truck. Um, What they didn't find, there were no shell casings, and that told the police of one of two things that, you know, they may have used a revolver, because y'all know, or... They picked up the shell casings and fled the scene. Now, friend, I just went shooting and I paid attention to my shell cases. Your shell are really next to you. They're not closer to the body. You can pick them up. You can find them, hose. <laughs> no need to leave them there. They they usually fall closer to you. On the scene, there's really no hard-hitting physical evidence. The detectives looked into the person that, you know, was supposed to know where he was and would have his location. So they looked into his manager, Don, and. Back at Don's office, detectives took pictures of his hands, his shoes. They were questioning him about everything that happened that morning. They were questioning him about Albert's usual work routine, like how often did Albert usually park his truck in the big dirt lot where he was found? Like is he there all the time or is this a new phenomenon for him? Detectives questioned Albert's coworkers. Um the coworker that found him, Richard, oh they were like, "Okay, you looked in his car?" Before you found him dead, but you didn't notice all that blood? Like, what's going on? Are you the murderer? Now, Richard was like, you know, one thing I can tell you about Albert is that that is very unusual because he is the type of person that keeps his things nice and neat. He's a simple guy. And the simple guys, they have their things. They go where they go. They don't make messes. And his cab, the cab of his truck was a mess. Like, there were things thrown everywhere. And I wasn't like him. Like, he would... He had pride in the way that his truck looked. Detectives knew, and even while they were questioning his coworkers, they all knew that, like, someone else had to have been responsible for this crime, but there was really no evidence. And they were like, wow. I mean, and all signs were leading to Albert got held up. Somebody was trying to rob the truck. He got carjacked and was shot. However, After looking into the car and all the contents, because there's also have a catalog of everything that's in those trucks, they realized that nothing was missing. Nothing. Everything was thrown all over the place, but nothing was actually missing. So they were like, okay, maybe it's not a robbery or carjacking. And they're like, okay, well, let's let's look back at square one. Let's look back at Albert when he was at the crime scene. Albert's body, when he was found they were like, okay, he was shot execution style. And he was almost leaning down. And they were like, okay, this wasn't just some random act of violence. Like this had to have been something that was personal. And Albert's supervisor, Albert's co-workers, they're like, nah, like there's nobody that would not love him. Like he's a great person. He literally wouldn't hurt a fly. Like he's a reliable, great guy. Like The detectives, they were thinking and they were like, wow, I mean, somebody knows the answers. Somebody knows what happened to Albert and somebody is going to have to answer those very hard questions.
1: Now, the only somebody that they could think of who would have some answers to these questions is the one and only check collecting Lorraine Hunter. Detectives get to her and Albert's apartment minutes after leaving the scene. And Detective Patterson didn't jump right into notifying Lorraine about Albert's death, but instead he's, like, kind of asking around about their relationship, you know. All this, you know, just general questions like that. All this time, Lorraine's, at the time, 16-year-old daughter, Brianna, is kind of hanging out, listening in, because kids is nosy. So the detective is asking the two of them questions, you know, when's the last time you saw Albert? And both of them are giving... And both of them are putting on a show. They are crying, snotty nose, can't believe Albert's missing. Like they're performing at this point, okay? And he can't even really get answers out of them between all the sobs and the tears. So Lorraine's like, I mean, I guess, I guess the last time if I really had to pinpoint it was the night before on November 3rd. And she goes on to explain that Albert had not one, but two jobs. So it's perfectly normal for him to be gone from the house long before the sun came up. She's like, I mean, me missing him is not out of the blue. Like, I just didn't get to see him off to work this morning. But like, now we're starting to get worried. Detective Patterson's doing his detective game, right? And he's feeding her a bit of information, just, you know, pulling things out of her. And he's like, yeah, so... We found Albert's truck, actually, and there's a dead body inside, but we can't tell for sure if that's Albert because the autopsy hasn't come back yet, and although this may be true, we've all got it in our head that this is Albert. Upon hearing this news, Lorraine immediately intensifies her snotty cry. And she's, like, yelling. She's completely lost it at this point. I don't know where he was. I've been looking for him all morning. Oh, what could have happened to my poor dear Albert? I don't understand. He didn't deserve this. And she's just really carrying on. Now... Detectives are like, I think we have enough here for the moment. They go and they talk to the neighbors and the workers and people around the area who might have been close by, could have seen something, could have heard something. And unfortunately, detectives come back empty-handed. They have no clues. They have no leads. So they're like, listen, we ain't got nothing to lose. So, So they put out in the media their phone number and a number to the local tip hop line and was like, listen, y'all, we need your help. If you know anything about this, please feel free to give us a call. Now the autopsy report comes back and does confirm that this is Albert and that Albert has bullet fragments from a 38 caliber revolver in his body. Also, Mm. Albert was not only shot twice in the back, but also shot in the head and nothing in the report said anything about him having defensive wounds on his body, which is furthermore like Albert didn't feel in danger. Albert had no reason to feel like he needed to protect himself, which is why there's no defensive wounds. So back in Mississippi, Albert's family is still all torn up about this murder and The detective reached out and he's able to get in touch with Albert's daughter, Tina, who pulls herself together, gets on the phone. Detective's like, do you know any information that might be helpful? And she starts to remember and she was like, you know what? I remember hearing that my dad is not Lorraine's first husband, but in fact, she used to be married to a man named Alan who died in a similar way as my dad. That's a red flag. And Allen was killed in 1993. Detective Patterson is like, thank you so much. That was very helpful. Goes back to the station, pulls this police file, looks and sees that this case is also cold. So what you're saying is the killer is still out there, which means that the killer could potentially be the same person. Right. So he's connecting these dots and he starts to look into what Lorraine did after the murder of Alan Brown. And what he does notice that sticks out just a little bit is that she walked away with a good $312,000 from a life insurance policy. And she lived off of that money and other people until she got married to this man. So it's it's giving I was broke and needed more cash. Albert's family was like,
0: you know what? I'm just going to say it everybody's thinking it. I'm just going to say it. I think she killed Alan, and I think she killed Albert. Both of them. We already have our suspicion about Alan, Alan, but our good Albert, first of all, Albert had a life insurance policy worth $225,000. However, with that $225,000 insurance policy, there was a contingency plan, and that contingency plan said that if his death was a result of a murder, it would double. I've never even heard of that.
1: Right. That feels a little enticing.
0: If I die of murder, you get more money. That's what everybody was saying. I heard one time that somebody said an accidental death, but accidental is not murder, right? I don't know. Is it? So what does that make that? four hundred fifty grand? a little less than half a mil? So the family tells the detectives this and the detectives go to Lorraine and say, hey, Lorraine, does Albert have a life insurance policy? And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, I don't know nothing about no life insurance policy. So they were like, "Okay, well, we found out from Albert's supervisor that he has a life insurance policy. Also, we found out from Alan's supervisor that you were calling him, asking him about the life insurance policy and when the payout was going to be and all these questions about the money. So did you know that Albert had a life insurance policy? I hate when people ask me questions that they already know the fucking answer to. I know, right? I hate that shit. You know I know. Stop fucking playing with me. They got to make you say it. And then she was like, oh, that's right. I forgot. And they're like, okay. And she was like, you don't understand. It was just like everything was a blur. Like, this was a very bad memory. Like, I'm my husband is dead. And the detectives are like, all right, girl, we don't have enough to arrest you, but we're gonna be back. And so the detectives are doing their detective work and they start digging through Albert and Lorraine's finances. And baby, guess what they found? Not only. Did Albert have a life insurance policy through the trunk, trucking company he worked for that doubled? He had multiple policies taken out in his name. All of them added up to about a million dollars. And so the detective is like, all right, we clearly are seeing a pattern here today. And they're like, and they decide that they're going to put a freeze on Albert's death certificate. Now, if the death certificate isn't in, no one can get the money. And then he goes back to Lorraine's apartment. He's been to and fro Lorraine's apartment multiple times. I think this is, right now we're at his third time at the crib. Goes back to her and he's like, all right, listen, would would you uh, take a polygraph? And she looks at him and she's like, sure, no problem. I'll take a polygraph, no problem at all. The detective's like, great, I'll see you tomorrow. And she's like, great, I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow comes... The detective shows up, and baby, she is gone. Mm. (laughs) She is out of (laughs) there. She didn't answer the door. She didn't answer her phone. Her car was gone. She was gone. Now, a week later, the detectives don't, they're just like, I don't know where the fuck she at. But they get a letter a week later from somebody saying that they are Lorraine's attorney and to leave her alone. Mm.
1: You know who I think wrote that letter? (laughs)
0: Lorraine <laughs> so at this point there are no suspects no new evidence and like it's still an open case but it's becoming very very cold and it goes cold
1: for about two years so on October 6 of 2011 two years later the police respond to a nearby shoplifting incident by a teenage girl and the girl who gets arrested, her name is Shanice Hunter. They're like, listen, Shanice, you've done a bad thing, and now you're about to go to a bad place. And she says, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold up. I want to talk to a detective because I've got information about the death of Albert Thomas in exchange to get out of jail. And they're like, What? Oh. What? <laughs> Girl! How you get arrested for
0: shoplifting and then tell me about a murder? And tell me about a murder because we wasn't even on this
1: level right now, girl. We were on shoplifting. You are on murder. Girl, you just been holding this one in your pocket? Anywho. They're like, okay. What you got to say? You've got my attention. <laughs> Let's hear it. So they pulled Detective Patterson in and Shanice is like, listen, This here has been on my heart. I have not wanted to hold this terrible, terrible secret for all these years. Something about today tells me it's time. (laughs) Could be that I'm about to go to jail, but something about today tells me that it's time. And she says, not only does she have information about the murder, but she knows exactly who did it. The only reason, the only reason she kept her mouth shut for so long is because she didn't want to appear disloyal to her own family. i are like, okay, so who did it? She was like, oh, it was my aunt, Lorraine. And my cousin Brianna helped her. And she was like, listen, they don't like niggas who tell niggas business. And I didn't want to be that guy, so I wasn't that guy, but today feels like the day. They're like, how do you know this? Shanice is like, well, you know, one day I go over to my auntie's house and when I walk in, I see my cousin Brianna on the couch and she's holding a revolver like a handgun. She says the two were shocked to see her and she quickly turned around and got the hell up out of that apartment because it looked like none of her business as soon as she walked in, right? As far as they know, Shanice is gone off, whatever. But Shanice says that from the other side, she can hear the two talking and that Brianna asks her mom, are you sure we have to do this? And Lorraine responds, yes, we have no choice. He's going to leave us and we don't have any money. Sounds pretty clear cut to me. So later that night, later that night, Shanice claims that she sees all three of them leave the apartment and go on a family walk something that the three of them do together often not the nigga participating in family activities too several hours after seeing them take this family walk a schizophrenic phone call from brianna asking her to hurry up and pick her and lorraine up from across the street of a local school they get back to the apartment. After entering the house, Shanice says that Lorraine tells Brianna to take off her clothes so that she can wash them. And then after washing them, she tells Brianna to take the clothes to the dump in the neighborhood because she knows the trash is about to be picked up the next day.
0: The detectives are immediately like, all right, bet. We need to find Lorraine and Brianna because... Even with the version of events from Shanice, like we don't have enough to arrest them. They need more concrete evidence. Like, I don't know, maybe a confession. So they talk to Shanice and Shanice says that, yes, she's going to wear a wire. She wears a wire and the police wait outside of Brianna's school, picks her up, arrest her. Shanice goes to her auntie, goes to Lorraine, and it's like, oh, auntie, oh my God. The, they arrested Brianna for Albert's murder. And as soon and as soon as she said that, like she was, she, you know, she performed it. And as soon as she said that, Lorraine looked at her. Well, the only reason they would be doing that is if somebody decided to stitch. And I think that somebody is you. Mm. And she's like, all right, you coming with me.
1: <laughs> it,
0: right. As soon as, and she, she was like, She brought Shanice on with her. And the police are like, oh, shit, because, of course, they're listening in. And they think that something is going to happen. So they come out. They ambush them. And they arrest Lorraine. And they also arrest Shanice. You know, got to keep up the act. Right Back at the police headquarters, Brianna. Now, Brianna is 18 right now. Remember the crime happened when she was 16, but she's 18 now. She's being questioned by two detectives. And, I mean, within minutes, she's like, listen... I saw my mom point the revolver at Albert's back. I saw her pull the trigger shot twice over in the other interrogation room. the detective is telling Lorraine like Brianna's about to go down for this murder. Are you gonna let your daughter go down? We need you to tell us that you did that you pulled this trigger that you killed this man and 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 are you gonna let your daughter go down And she said, Hell nothing. Yeah. <laughs> she said nothing. They were like, Are you not going to save her? She's going to go down for this. And she was like, I couldn't care less what you do with her. And the police were like, Damn, it's going to be like that. All right. Brianna and Lorraine, first degree murder charges. And Lorraine was actually charged with a very specific murder called lying in wait. New Crime Junkie vocab. It's um like the type of murder where the person is literally waiting to ambush their victim and to kill them, lying in wait, like a
1: puma, dun, dun, dun.
0: and killing for financial gain. Now, the charges were filed, but the evidence was a little shaky. But after interviewing Nisi Shanice the second time, she kept on telling it like it was, okay? She kept singing like a canary. She explained that Lorraine obtained the gun from a friend. And they're like, oh, where did she meet this friend? She's like, oh, yes, she got the gun from a friend that she knows from church, which everybody seems shocked that she met somebody at church and got a gun. But like Southern Black folks, the way they come at it, the young folks, there are people that are in charge of making sure that Nothing goes through these walls. I've seen it. I don't know if anybody would let you borrow their gun. Deacons be strapped up now. Gotta got to protect them grounds. <laughs> they do.
1: They're not up in here.
0: Yeah, so she borrowed a gun from somebody that she knew from church. She was just holding on to the gun for a couple months. And then, after a while, she returned the gun to the friend like it was nothing. The, gu- the gun was borrowed from a friend at church, and it was a woman. It wasn't one of the deacons. But um, they got a search warrant for that woman's house, went through, they found the gun in the woman's drawer because that's where she was hiding it. And that sucks because you just thought that maybe she was going to the gun range or whatever, and now you got the police knocking at your door, taking your gun. And guns ain't cheap. Run tests on the guns, the gun, and they realized that Yes, this is the same gun that killed Albert Thomas. And with that, they got
1: ready to go to trial.
0: Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit
1: to trial. So in the days leading to the trial, the prosecution intercepts multiple letters from Lorraine begging Brian not to testify against her. Then Lorraine's cellmate tells the police that Lorraine is running around a prison looking to hire an assassin to kill her niece, Shanice. The cops send an undercover deputy to meet with Lorraine to discuss a career as a potential assassin for her. And she's like, oh yeah, my prayers are answered. We about to take this girl out. She's talking to this man and she ends up inviting him over for multiple visits to further discuss this hit. And every time he visits, of course, the conversation is recorded. And because he's a police officer. Correct. And Lorraine is heard saying on tape that Shanice has to be quote unquote eliminated so that her and her daughter can go be free.
0: And whatever
1: you need, Mama will provide. Like what? <laughs> She says, don't worry about how much money I'm willing to pay top dollar to get this done. And the officer's like, great, ma'am, I'll do the job. Give me the address, give me pictures of your niece. We'll have this taken care of in no time. So Lorraine gets on the jail phone, the phone in the jail. (sighs) Not her phone that she has in the jail, (laughs) but the phone that the jail provides for the inmates and Asked for somebody to send her pictures of Shanice for her hitman. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't
0: say for my hitman. He's so stupid.
1: So Why would anybody send that to her anyways? Didn't they know? So she probably didn't say for my hitman. She probably played it like, oh, how my niece doing? Send me some pictures. Or she probably just, I was going to say she probably asked Brianna, but nah. But no, she probably was just they like, all
0: they all got arrested at the same time. Right, so that's what I said No, nah, but know. she probably was just I'm like, trying to figure out what the family dynamic is. Like she, I listen, know all she, are she gotta do is play
1: it real cool and be like, it's lonely in here, trying to make, you know, we can stick pictures on the wall. Y'all should send me some photos of everybody. Give me this her niece. She's probably talking to her sister. Give me, give me a picture of you and my niece. Send, you know, I miss y'all. Send me a
0: family photo,
1: yeah. Yeah. Now, with all these recordings in place, the prosecution skips right down to the clerk office and formally files an additional charge of solicitation to commit murder on Lorraine Hunter.
0: During the actual trial for Albert's death, Brianna immediately reached out to the prosecution and lets them know that she is ready for a plea deal. I'm over it. And... She is willing to cooperate. Now, remember those life insurance policies, all the extra ones that added up to a million dollars that we mentioned earlier? Yeah, Brianna confirmed that her mother pushed Albert to take out the policies and she also forged quite a bit of them herself. She also went on to say that her mother made three, count them, one, two, three failed attempts to take Albert's life. Three Times that she planned and went out to go do that. And she'd be like, oh, there were too many people around. Oh, there was this, 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 and all these things that got in her way. Now, in return for her cooperation, remember, she was ready to cut a deal. Brianna says that she was going to plead guilty to three counts of attempted murder and one count of voluntary manslaughter. She received a total sentence of 18 years, nine months, and... She will be eligible for parole in August of 2026. August 21st, 2017, the jury found Lorraine Hunter <laughs> guilty of every single charge, including the two special charges of the lying in wait into the killing for financial gain. Now, hmm. the jury went on to recommend the death penalty and the ruling Judge Fisher said, absolutely and imposed an airtight death sentence on Lorraine Hunter in December of 2017. However, in March of 2019, the California governor imposed a moratorium on the death penalty, which temporarily suspends all executions in the state. Lorraine Hunter is currently serving her death sentence, but she's not facing Facing execution. execution. Right. I
1: mean, she's sentenced to death, but she's not up for the death penalty anymore.
0: Right. As for the case of Alan Brown's murder in 1996, that's just hearsay and speculation, and there are no official charges against her. All right, y'all, it's time for... Well,
1: I'm not Black. I'm O.J.
0: I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I got away with it.
1: I ain't do it, but if I did, I don't know that I'm going to test faith twice. If you did kill Allen and got away with it and got some insurance money from it, don't know that I would run that skit again. When you win I mean, big, and... you got to leave it at you won big, not that you a lucky motherfucker, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't push it.
0: But, you know, maybe she was a gambler woman because the odds were the same. Two men, originally from the country, names started with A, truck drivers... Is that
1: part of the odds, that their names started with A?
0: (laughs) Had children on their own before she got with them, because she had children (laughs) on her... You know what I'm saying? She was playing the numbers. I ain't do it, but if I did, I would have got a job. Mm. I don't know. Wild concept, but that's what I would have done.
1: Feels about right. I ain't do it, but if I did, I... I would. I have brought my bro- daughter into it. I don't know why y'all keep doing that. That that's not giving motherly instincts.
0: And Brianna spilled quickly. I mean, and Lorraine, I don't know. Maybe they never had the the talk the if we get arrested, talk. <laughs> because Lorraine had herself a plan. You know, you know, no, if you're good to mama, mama's good to you. Most
1: most if mother and good daughters. Mama.
0: The mama's talk. Good. Huh. Yes, we need to have the if we get arrested talk.
1: Most most mother and daughters, the talk is not the if we get arrested talk.
0: Well, most mother and daughters aren't committing crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think she should have acted alone, though. Like, she was 16. Yeah, another one? Um, I don't know if I want to say this one, but I didn't do it. But if I did, I'm not going to hold you. I don't know if getting arrested for shoplifting— would have been what made me snitch about yeah, a murder how the hell that team I really just a don't and longer. I'm not trying to go there but I'm just saying like
1: that had nothing to do with nothing that seems like a real girl they will give you a little warning you pay a hundred dollars you take the class you promise not to do it again you had other options than to play that card because it's a strong card to play yeah you threw out that spade quick I didn't do it but if I did I do not think I would have coordinated a hit inside a prison where I'm being monitored and for a murder. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would then carry on to coordinate a hit on somebody else's life. But that's just me. Right.
0: Um I ain't do it, but if I did, I would have done what Lorraine did. I don't know if she actually had a lawyer. But she sent a letter like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Back, back. Um, I think I would have done that. Let me get my hand on some Esquire
1: papers. (laughs) Is that what it is? I guess that's what you could call it. I do it, but if I did, if I was going to send... Letters to Brianna not to testify. Me and Brianna must have already developed a secret language or a code where she gonna know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because you just write in, please, please don't testify against me. Right there so they can have it in the print that you were trying to persuade a witness.
0: It wasn't given thinking through. Mm-mm.
1: She was just trying to solve the problems in front of her at the moment.
0: All right. Parole or no Parole. Mm, I'm not I don't know no if this was a death sentence case. I'm not gonna hold you. Like it was fucked up, but like I don't know if it was Maybe worth the death penalty like in the they first can't
1: place. Get her on Allen, so they're gonna go extra hard on her.
0: I don't know if this was
1: a death sentence case. You know, you know how I feel about the death penalty, right? But we can't just be handing that shit out all willy nilly. Like you can, you can still give out life.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Even life without. Mm-hmm.
1: Dang. So, plural of no for, or pearl for you.
0: Life without.
1: Life without. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. She has no intention of doing better, it don't seem like.
0: All right, y'all. It's time to read some reviews. You can leave us a review on a lot of different platforms, like, um, I don't know, Apple Podcasts. You can rate us on Spotify, Audible, Amazon, I think, I don't know, wherever the hell you're listening, see if you can leave us a review. And if you can,
1: do you mind doing that for me? Thanks. (laughs) So this review says, hello from Norway. I've never sent a comment to any podcast show. That's how good this is. I'm always looking for good crime podcasts and came over this one. I love, love, love your show. And now I'm obsessed with this and I don't listen to anything else. I listen to this on my way to work, at home, when I'm cooking, at the gym, like everywhere and any chance I get. You guys are funny and the way you tell these stories and discuss between y'all is is different than what I've been listening to. Keep up the good work and thank y'all for this podcast. More power to black voices in podcast world. More power to black voices in the podcast world. Kind regards from a black fan in Norway. Love and peace. By the way, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Love that shit. Thank you. All the way in Norway. Mm-hmm. We That's worldwide. Bitch, I'm oh. worldwide. Oh.
0: Is that there from um, um a reality TV show? It is. Okay. This one is five stars. I ain't even gonna hold y'all. Hey y'all, I've been listening since 2021. Love the chemistry, the realness, and the passion you guys have. Mara, keep on breaking out in song. I hear you, girl. Taz when you get into the story and you make your own little side stories I live okay <laughs> I started saying I ain't even gonna hold you because of you Mara love y'all keep being great Vaughn thanks Vaughn I don't well, even know when I say keep that being great right shout out to you that's it that's Thank the end you so of our much, show guys happy to be here for another week with you
1: mm-hmm.
0: welcome to my <laughs> bedtime story all right. If you want to keep up with us, you can. You can follow us on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. On Facebook, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. There is also a discussion group on Facebook, Sisters Who Kill Podcast discussion group. You must answer questions. You have to actually like answer them. You can't, somebody was like, what's your favorite episode? They said season one, episode one. No, that's not an answer. We don't even have seasons. Anywho. They're like the 2021 season. No, don't. No, that's made up in our brains for the things that we're doing. (laughs) We made those up. They're not real. That's just for us. Anyways, that's it. Bye, y'all. Anything else, friend? Talk to us, we talk back. Bye.